0: Hi guys welcome to the last set podcast and today's guest is kai a black belt in judo national champion and mass as a masters in gym performance kai what's good man
1: yeah um life is pretty good i guess yeah it's good to
0: finally have you on man i mean this has been quite some time coming i mean i always knew of you but we never really met all that in person yeah. so it's quite funny as well that we both went to the same university we both had the same mutual friends but we never met in person
1: Yeah, that's, um, it's actually pretty crazy because Perth is pretty small. What what year were you at UWA?
0: I graduated in high school in 2016. I was there from 2017 to 2021.
1: Oh, that makes sense. I I graduated 2017. So I... How old are you? 26. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know know that. I
0: thought you were the same age and all that, but yeah, go
1: uh, Yeah. I get like people at the gym a lot of the people at the gym think I'm like 18 or something and then I'm like I guess that's good but when it comes to professional life I'm people are just like why is this kid talking to me mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's um so where were we were just before the university Yeah Yep No, yeah, cuz I I took a gap year after first year uni and went to Japan for year to just train full-time really yeah and then i came back and then i changed from chem to physiology and x and then yeah graduated 2017 i should have graduated 2016 but i forgot to register for my graduation wow because yeah, i'm very smart damn so let's get let's get into a little a uh, little bit of background information car tell us wh- where were you from man um ethnicity wise Yes. So I'm Singaporean. I moved to Australia when I was four. But eth- ethnically, I'm Peranakan, which okay. is like a mix of like the it's like Chinese, Indonesian, and maybe a bit of like I, I know that Portuguese Peranakans as well. But honestly, I I needed to get some blood work done to test <laughs> that out because my grandfather had like gray eyes, and I was like, Where? <laughs> I don't I don't really know to be honest. Fair enough, man. Yeah. So, were you born here or? No, 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 I was born in Singapore oh, and okay. I moved here at four. Oh, okay, yeah okay. And how did you get involved in judo? Um, my dad never let me do martial arts until like 13. Like I used to have to just sit there and watch my cousins do Taekwondo and then I don't, my dad just did not want me to do martial arts for some reason. He wanted me to be a professional tennis player and I, and like, I was good at tennis up to about, like, 13, but I just hated it. Why what, what, what did you hate so much about it? Well, I mean, he made me train, like, two, three hours a day, every mm. single day. And it was just, <sighs> like, too much. Oh. So I just, yeah, I had no autonomy. And judo was the only thing I got to choose. Okay. So, you know, actually, I did Muay Thai before judo, but they wouldn't let me do any sparring because we are still young. Um, kendo But yeah, I didn't like the fact that You couldn't hit them anywhere You had to hit specific places Went to my first judo class And I Was immediately allowed to start You know Rolling and wrestling And just Just freestyle it And I just never looked back After that mm. Yeah Okay So how old were you at the time?
0: Uh, like 12 12 So you've been doing it for 14 years
1: Give or take Yeah Pretty much I was 15 now Wow yes. a while and as soon as i started i was i was just all in like i remember i smashed a plate because my parents didn't want to take me to training really yeah wow and uh, i didn't go to any like parties like school events and stuff like just uh, nothing else mattered to me but judo and that was um but you know it wasn't discipline or anything i just that's all i wanted to do
0: right well you made a career out of it in the end and it's taken you some places, I and mean, when you told me you'd been to judo, so you've been to Japan, you know, been around the world, been competing and all, but i got to ask, man, because you're a black belt in judo, and I take a lot of fascination towards judo because it was something that my dad did as well for a long time, which, by the way, who you know, which uh, is actually pretty funny. But the reason why I, I mean, have so much respect for it is because it's one of those uh, martial arts that has stayed... So legit for such a such a long time because guy kind of nowadays people make the argument about legitimacy of certain martial arts you know, like and is it something you can That is street wise as well? Judo I would say is definitely one of those martial arts that has just upheld its legitimacy over time, and also it's very good for self defense in general.
1: Yeah, it's um that's a thing. It's like saying an engineer is an engineer. You have the top quality engineers and you know people with just a degree, but they don't really know what they're doing. So I really do believe when it comes to like judo, it depends on the country as well. Like the system in which the judo is developed because you can't, a lot of people just label something like that's judo, that's BJJ, but it's really an art form. It's it's something that like, I mean, anyone can paint a, a picture and say, I'm an artist, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it's, it's more than just labeling it with like judo bjj mma it's um it's <sighs> how to say it's um it really is a school that's how i view it is um and the legitimacy aspect i do believe comes from the just the, the culture and i guess the few things that there's universal in judo is just the concept of respect Like always bowing before class, always bow to judo Kano, and uh, principles. Unfortunately though, I do believe that judo is kind of losing its way. Okay. Um, Why do you believe that? Well, there's actually two founding principles for judo. Everyone knows them. Even like most of the black belts, like the ones who've been doing judo their whole life. They only know of like, you know, um, minimum effort, maximum efficiency. Okay, And they think that's judo. Okay, but there's another one which is pr- more important, and that's Chita Kyoe and that's mutual prosperity.
0: Is so was that Japanese meaning mutual prosperity? Mm. Oh, okay.
1: So it basically just means win-win situations. So it's about so when you work with your partner, it's not like I'm gonna win and you're gonna lose. It's we're both here to learn and to like you know, it's a win-win. We both get something out of this. And that's the principle in which judo should be about. And many people here because when things get competitive, things get when money gets involved, you know, that kind of is is uh doesn't become a priority
0: anymore. Oh, okay. That's a very I never thought of it like that because I've known it to be a sport that's you know, I mean, I always thought because of the rise of MMA, and it's martial arts isn't something you can fake, or it's something you shouldn't fake in general. But judo is one of those sports that's almost impossible to fake and all that because if you're because of the community, like if you're a black belt, it's not one of the, so. It's a, what I'm trying to point out is, like nowadays, I've spoken about this many times on the podcast before, but there's certain schools in martial arts where. You know, because they're more about money. Like you said, when money gets involved, the, the it's washed down. So they say, for example, if you just show up for like six weeks, regardless of how bad you do, you can get the next stripe or the next belt. Yeah. Judo is one of those things, and judo you know, is one of those things that for years and years people like train and then they practice it and they teach it and then finally they become black belts. It's not something you can just do in three four years and just say it become a black belt.
1: Yeah, but th- see, the thing is the the concept of the black belt, like my idea of the whole Dan system, et cetera, is it's unnecessary. A belt's a, a, belt's a belt. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's great for, you know, bracing your core and stuff. which is <laughs> Essentially like Musashi Miyamoto, you know, have you uh, read the book of Five Rings? Oh, yeah. So he's always saying, you know, should always, ha- should always have like a, a belt around there so you can make sure your core is braced constantly uh but when it comes to the japanese system is there's only white and black and then you go into red and white and then red and red is just um pretty much reserved for it's only like what well, like, like literally 10 ever who have been red. otherwise there's red and white which are you know a lot of them i i don't really believe they are um they understand judo at always is so political but otherwise. The black belt just signifies that, hey, you learned enough to start your journey. Mm-hmm. It, it just means that, hey, now you're a beginner. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I, th- I, I always thought that black belt
0: signifies a master, a professor, or it's, no.
1: No. The wow. black belt just literally just means that, you know, now you kind of have a general understanding of, you know, what path to take, but now you're going to start on that path and it's just like you see the path now when you're white belt, you have no clue what's going on when you get your black belt, it's like ah you see where what you have to do now you see the mountain that you've climbed wow because that changes my perspective because
0: i always thought it starts with day one you know i've always believed that
1: and not many people know this to be honest it's it's that's that's the thing with martial arts and uh like the schools is that because it comes down to money making and business, people, you know, they get people into, like, to keep doing judo because there's progressions. It's like okay, you in your yellow belt, then orange, you know, green, blue, brown, black, and then people view that as achievements, but they don't fall in love with the process of it. Mm. You know, they're always looking for the the next color, the next belt, the next achievement, but and you know this is just basic sports psychology. The process people who are process oriented always do better than those who are achievement oriented, mm-hmm. and that's where I believe is also a flaw in like the kind of how society works. You know, everyone is always like, "Oh, I need to get this, Once and then like, I'm going to be happy."
0: Yeah, I honestly believe the I believe the exact same thing. I've always not always, but. Recently, up until this year, I've adopted the principle that happiness comes from growth and it does. And I think it's not about, and what I mean by that is of course it talks about not the end goal, but the process of it. And if you're just a little bit better than you were previously, that's when happiness comes from. But it also means it has to be something you have to be driven by something other than it's not material. So we take the process of the belts like, okay, if I get a blue belt or whatever, or I get a black belt, you, I'm not then going to be happy. Because if you think that, that the happiness is an end goal, it's not. And so when people do these sorts of things, like when they talk about, oh, I'm going to get my next stripe, and then I'm going to have your next belt, I'm going to be happy, or I'm going to win the next championships, then I feel like there's if it's good to be goal oriented, but it's kind of in it for not the right reasons.
1: Yeah, but um, it depends on... I, I do. So you do uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I definitely believe that uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, like a real black belt, that's like a master. Yeah. So it's a different. So judo belt system is different than the BJJ uh, belt system. Mm-hmm. I do believe the BJJ belt system is more stringent mm-hmm. in like quality. Mm-hmm. So I, to, like, I would say most black belts in the world in judo are perhaps maybe a blue belt. Level or um, Blue or purple Got a level In BJJ I would agree I mean
0: there are some There are a lot of black belts In judo Not a lot There's a few I know Worldwide And their story was They were already A black belt in judo And they transitioned To BJJ And then they just went Straight to blue Or purple Because a lot of the um, Skills that you learn In judo Do cross over mm. Mainly because The similarities Between two sports Is we both start Standing up And of. And that's yeah. a big one, but in BJJ we have like pulling guard and getting on your back, which is not ideal if you're going up against a judo fighter and all that.
1: And yeah, that's the thing. So judo, uh, as I said before, like the different schools. So the school that I was trained in in Japan, the philosophy was like, um, I would not let me just uh, rephrase this. Um. Okay, so judo, this kosen judo, where groundwork was a major element. Okay, but because of you know, people kind of just uh, they want to see showy throws and stuff. So then it kind of transitioned to just stand. People just do more stand up. But like the school I was at in Japan, we focus heavily on groundwork. Wow. So it's a lot of groundwork, and the groundwork is brutal. Um, like the difference between BJJ and and judo groundwork at the high levels is that you don't have a lot of time on the ground you can't just chill etc so I'll say that the judo groundwork is a bit more realistic to combat because you know you can't just lie in the guard because you get punched it has to be like if someone is like guarding their neck you pretty much have to just shove your like fist through Mm -hmm. but of course in BJJ you you can uh, like Crank on the jaw and stuff, which I love. I think that's very realistic, and it ma- it makes things more interesting. Mm-hmm. They're the worst, by the way, those cranks. Oh <laughs> yeah, but it's it's an experience and a half. I <laughs> like I definitely see why you have to wear mouth guards in BJJ, but you're not allowed to wear them in judo. really? Yeah. Really? Why? Why is that? I again? don't know, and I've spent a lot of money fixing my teeth as a result. Really? Yeah. Holy shit! What happened to your teeth? Oh, you just get like hit all the time. Like you just you cop an elbow, you cut like, and it's just like on the ground and stuff like things happen okay yeah well have you ever like a few teeth
0: knocked out and all that Ooh.
1: oh yeah like um <laughs> oh i remember copying an elbow to my like teeth and then like one of my lower teeth like it kind of like moved out and i was really upset about that and uh but uh, so i had to get like um like a root canal like a lot of chipped teeth fixed just I'm just, like, small things, something will happen, like, someone will come up, just, like, sort of smash their head against you, and you're like, <sighs> great, now I've, um, now I need to go to the dentist again. <laughs> 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 don't
0: me asking, man, like, what's, we were talking about that before the podcast, you had, like, an elbow, two elbow replacements and all that. Yeah. I mean, for someone such as yourself, and then you're telling me no mouth guards and teeth replaced, like... How how injury?
1: How many injuries
0: have you had, man?
1: Oh, like so that I've like fractured every single thing in my body. Dislocated my right wrist. Um, I tore my AC joint in my shoulders. Uh, broke. I've torn my MCL, LCL. I think my PCL a little bit, but my LCLs, oh, ACLs are great. I think that's because I've been doing squats since I was uh pretty much <laughs> twelve. Just like bought a squat rack and just nothing else to do but just as the grass squats. Wow. Uh, my pate- my left patella is shattered in half, and um, I'm supposed to get surgery for that. But I think that because my legs are really strong, like I, I don't feel pain unless I get kicked in it. Wow. Would your you? left patella is yeah. shattered. What happened there? Um, I, I, I know I'm
0: quite quite um quite aware that your knees do take a lot of beating in judo. Mm. And I know that uh, I've seen that from a f- few guys that I've spoken to, but
1: how did you shatter your patella, man? Um, so the patella was actually I do believe from overtraining, mm-hmm. uh, because as we were speaking about earlier about the exercise addiction and the things like I I had a major anxiety taking a rest day when I was competing. Really. Yeah. I'm on the same ground with you
0: man. It's my girlfriend tells me nowadays it's really hard for me just to get to take a rest day and I've just slowly but surely starting to learn that. Mm-hmm. Because do you I mean I'm asking just personally but when you when you're on a rest day, right? Do you feel like it's so hard to mentally like tell yourself it's okay, it's okay because you always see these other people around working and you're in this idea like oh well if they're working and doing that then I should be working
1: too. Um, it's more so like I feel terrible if I'm not exercising. Yeah, that's good. the thing. So like, but now I've wisened up a bit. So I'll do I go for long walks. Mm-hmm. I really I'm starting to really enjoy that. Like if even if it's at the gym, I chuck in like my headphones just to an audio book, um, and just walk. Mm-hmm. And but before when I was younger, it was like I had this very um, like. I, it worked. I won competitions, but as I have a lot of chronic injuries as a result where it was just like the body, you know, it can do whatever my mind tells it to do. Like pain is just uh, a sensation. Mm. And, but I remember there was one day at uni, I because I used to cycle all the way to uni, then go gym and then judo. And I was walking around and I just fainted.
0: You, you just fainted? Just right. fainted. Wow.
1: And I was like, what the hell is going on? So I went, I just... Went to the uni doctor and they tested my pulmonary function and they were like, "Like your heart's <laughs> working like twenty percent," but because I I was I was meant to fly off for a competition the next week, and I was like, "What are you talking about? I'm fine." <laughs> I cycled here, like I I'm okay. And they said, "If you compete, you may just actually like, like you'll just pass out. You may have like a severe complication because." Like, they showed me this chart of, like, where a normal heart should be. And then mine was just, like, like that. So, your blood pressure was? Uh, oh, my blood pressure's always been low. Okay. But it was more so, like, exo- exhaustion. Okay. That it was just so tired. and Oh, but I also used to have to cut a lot of weight, which was the issue. I think. Okay. All right. How much did you have to cut, then? Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> <I laughs> I was a little bit notorious for my crazy weight cuts um so i think about 10 kilos every month (sighs) it was i don't even know how i did that looking back at it like and that was when i was studying as well and like I, i just used to be constantly pissed off like not eating like almost anything at all and just having to it was like it was to the point of, um, I think, just insanity. So I would wake up and I would step on the scale. If I was like a hundred grams more than I wasn't like day before, like I'd freak out, chuck the sweatsuit on, immediately just get out the door, start running. Wow. And like I think at one point I was a bit bulimic as well, <laughs> mm-hmm. just because it was just I just had to make the weight. Doesn't matter like how the hell I do it, I have to get down to there. But like the second I weighed in, a few hours later, I'll be like eight kilos over. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. That's a that's a big re, like rebuild there. Yeah.
0: Oh. Wow. So
1: how, what do you walk around like right now? <laughs> right now? I, so as soon as I retired, I, <laughs> I put on like 18 kilos in a few months. But that was because of uh COVID. Yeah. And I was a bit I got like very depressed because I didn't make Turkey Olympics and I was sort of like what am I doing with my life? Um now I sit at about Anywhere from, like, 74 to
0: 80. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Damn. So, if you don't mind me asking, man, what happened with the uh, Tokyo Olympics and all that? Like, um, was it... How did, how did you not... Uh, was it oh. get selected or that was it a process of elimination or...
1: No, so what happened is that 2016 was always the goal. Okay. Real Olympics. And... Like, the... I would say uh, regret definitely because I sh- I sh- I could have should have made it but my coach at the time it was like I started to realize that the people that went to the Olympics after they got very depressed started okay. developing like gambling addictions they were just not happy people mm-hmm. and you know it kind of threw me off a bit I'm like what am I doing like Like what? What am I working towards? Even if I win a medal, Mm -hmm. like is this what my life is going to be like? Like a coach had like a bronze medal at the Olympics, and she wasn't happy. Wow! And it was just so it made me feel like, am I just gonna be like, like, like is this my future? Uh And then like the weight cuts was turned, and then like you know and stuff like, what's your career? Judo's not paying the money. I want you to like, study medicine, study this, study. You, you need something else. And, but for me, mentally, I, was like, I just want to do Judo. So I didn't feel like I was supported. The gov- the like government does not support Australian sports. No, it does, it does not. It
0: does not. And it sickens me as well when I see the advertising the Commonwealth Games. So I'm just thinking to myself, how much do those athletes really get paid? Like swimmers, when do you ever hear about swimming other than in the Olympics or Commonwealth Games? Because I never do. I never hear about swimming. Or maybe there was the occasional world championships, but that's it. And and those people, they're out in the fucking pool every day for like two hours and they're doing their strength conditioning. Mm. Or for let's take even more or less a sport, let's say something like archery. When the
1: how much money do you make in archery? Oh, like nothing really. Yeah. But, But the thing is, I was always very jealous of the other sports and how not not jealous. but i just didn't understand they used to say oh we only train like five times a week double sessions wow the training for judo is ludicrous to say the least like it doesn't make sense on any level and it, if anything it's it actually gets to the spiritual aspect like only because i lived in japan and like i've seen the school i've been through their schooling systems their high school training they train minimum of okay. So Sunday is a rest day, but that's three hours of training, and it's hard. Otherwise, it's some days is up to eight hours of training a day. While they're in school, it's insane. The first few months I spent there, I've never like felt more pain in my life. I one time had to stop and take a nap on the staircase because I couldn't even climb up the stairs to my room. It was like. I, I thought I was mentally tough before going to Japan. I was like, man, I'm like, I'm super strong, I'm fit, I'm, I can take whatever they dish out, but this is like on another level, uh, and then that kind of made me realize, like, you know, the the human body is actually capable of so much more than you know that that we believe. Like, if 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 you see some of these guys, the uni guys, you think they're like on steroids or something because they're just like animals. They don't look, it's different than a bodybuilder kind of big. They're still like extremely muscular, but the, it's different. You can sense something different. And their mindset is like, it's whack. <laughs> like they, they don't question things. Like it's just like the job has to get done, you know? And, Another weird thing as well is that the ones who would do everything right weren't the good ones. Ah. A lot of the top guys there are the ones who smoke, they drink, they they, 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 they train like animals, but they also do dumb shit as well. <laughs> Which is, it kind of blew my head away. I was like, <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? Like, why are these, the, the guys who are this complete freaks? Mm-hmm. And there's no, like... The, there's no steroids there like because we all live together like i know for a fact that all they do is just eat rice raw eggs and like you know we just do the system Wow. and it's not like they're getting like a lot of sleep either Ah. so there's there's more to it like especially with like psycho neuroendocrinology like the, the mindset really has a huge impact on like endocrine function
0: see though here's the thing
1: though about Japanese culture that I've learned from people who
0: are Japanese as well, and from people who've experienced Japan. <sighs> the problem is Western cultures as well. A lot of our Western cultures don't really have much of a warrior society. They don't have that warrior genes. You know what I mean? The Western men and all that. And mm. but if you look, there's ar- there's argument there for some, for some. But if you go to a place like Japan, or you go to a place like Iceland, where they have that. Samu- like Japan's got the samurai culture And samurai culture is still prevalent And it's passed down from generation to generation And it's the same in like Iceland as well Where they've got all those Viking genes Where they've just passed down from warriors to warriors And I dare say it even as well with um, Samoan people as well Because they're warrior culture And the problem is with English people Unless you're talking about um, people, my own obviously Because I'm from England if you want to talk warrior culture, you're talking medieval times for knights. That's probably as far as it can go back. Or maybe like soldiers in World War Two. But the situation with Japan is like, for them, what you see when you're talking about, that's just everyday life to them because it's ingrained into their system from generation to generation. When we're us, we're more like a working co- – well, I would say we're in a way a working culture. But, you know, we wake up, we go to work, you know, we come home, we see the wife, see the kids – and then we just want to live in a happy family and a happy house. And this is a better lifestyle. But with Japanese culture, they their culture is like they find peace in something so small and so easy, such as like rice farming. And I had a buddy of mine talk to me about and why like Asian people are so fucking hardworking. Because it goes back to the rice farms where if you wanted to farm like potatoes or something like that, you can have like a day off or two days off and the the, the potatoes would still be fine. But to farm rice, it's like you have to twist the vine every day regardless. And it's such an art to it because if oh. there's too little water, then it wouldn't grow or too much water, then it would grow. And they'd have to adapt comparing to if it was going to rain that day and they would still yeah. be out of non nonstop twisting. And from the age of like, I think it's as young as six, they start learning. And if, oh. and if they didn't actually, yeah, no, I was blown away when I, I heard I, this as well. I, I have no clue. I, sh- I feel kind of embarrassed. I shouldn't know about that. That's okay. Well, cause I didn't, I mean, I love rest you. <laughs> I never knew that, but they talk about like, it's every day, every day mm-hmm. for hours in the field and they have to do it because if they don't do it, they can't eat. Yeah. And it's something so basic for them because that's like, a, you know, and that's one of their main foods that they live off probably is their number one food that they live off. So when we talk about, you know, working for them, that was probably just like, like a Tuesday for them. And I think yeah. it was, they would make, I mean, genetics is definitely a factor. Oh, what the, no. but they've had that ingrained work ethic from a very, very that, young age. That's the
1: thing. So the judo guys in Japan are kind of, they're special. Even by like Japanese, they're like, you know, you can spot one from a mile away. Okay. It's, um, I wouldn't say it's genetics because a lot of the toughest guys I know on the judo scene as well are British. And they are just like like my coaches and stuff. Um, one guy, uh, his name is Frankie, and um, he had he was undergoing chemotherapy. He had had a hernia, and he, this is when he was like seventy-five. <laughs> and this guy is lethal, and he was just trying to fight me. And I'm like, Frankie, you you're literally going through chemo, you've got a hernia, like, and you're just trying to bash me. And I'm like, and he's just. But the thing is, like, his energy, like, he's so sharp. Wow. Like, I reckon he produces way more testosterone than, like, <laughs> the kids these days. It's, I, I definitely do believe it's the, like, I wouldn't say it's, of course, generations is one thing, but epigenetics is something that can happen in one lifetime. Like, my, my grandmother actually thought I got plastic surgery after coming from Japan, Really? Why did she think that? Like, because she looked at my facial features, and I look nothing like the rest of my family. Okay. And also, I, I got my fa- whole facial features changed. And I don't know if you watched Jordan Peterson, but he did this oh. thing about... Uh, I'll tell you about... Sorry, before I uh, sorry you sorry didn't drop you there. Good.
0: But for Jordan Peterson, I'm so much of a fan of Jordan Peterson. I saw him last time when he came to Perth. Best $160 oh, I ever spent. <laughs> yeah, that's... I, I didn't even, Oh, I would spend a lot of money to see. I've watched all his lectures on oh. YouTube. He's brilliant because guys like him. He's he's such a powerful thinker. But we got to understand when people quote Jordan Pearson. I'm and I got to understand that man got to where he was in life because he spent decades and decades. He's he's in his seventies, I think. Uh, he's, no, he's not that old. No, is is let he? me just quickly Google that real quick. But know. he got to where he was because he wrote articles. He wrote papers, he written many books, he'd been a lecturer for years and years and years. And now only until now he got popular over years ago. Hold on. Yeah, oh, sorry. JP if you're listening, man, I love you.
1: Uh yeah, big Jordan fan. Peterson, born nineteen sixty two, so he's my math is terrible. Yeah, me too. I can't I can barely count the plates at the gym. <laughs> uh but like he went through a hard life. He's I'm sixty. Sorry, he's sixty. He's sixty
0: years old. So he, he and you know, when he wrote his fir- first book, Maps of Meaning, it didn't really go anywhere. And it wasn't only until he wrote, when he tw- until then he criticized Article C16 in Canada and he wrote 12 Rules of Life. That's when he really blew up and all that. Yeah. yeah. So y- you were saying, what was your point you were trying to make?
1: Oh, like he, he speaks about like the, the, the facial features of people change after they go through hard experiences.
0: I never, I never remember
1: him doing that. Yeah, yeah, there's um, I mean, there's a lot of like, I, when I say lectures, it's not like the short YouTube clips. I watched like, like these like two hour long. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. yeah, and then he's even got podcasts as well where he breaks down like this, the biblical stories into the psychological meaning and stuff. I remember one time I was on a road trip and my friends, I, like, I told him I don't know if I can be friends with you anymore because you may like, you want to listen to music and I was, like, I just want to listen to that. Um, it was. like... <laughs> I remember the specific one is about Cain and Abel. Oh, that one's one of my favorites, yeah. It was, um, and that really opened my mind to, like, because I used to go to, my parents are like very Christian, and I used to just not resonate with what the pastor was saying at all. Mm-hmm. But when he broke down the stories about of the Bible, and it's like Adam and Eve and the shame, you know, like, they, they were kicked out of the garden of even once they ate the fruit and were able to, they realized that they were naked and they f- felt shame. And it's kind of the same thing in today's society as well. Like, you know, when we feel shame or something, that's when shit hits the fan. We start getting insecure. And so going back to the point about the the facial features and genetics is that anyone is capable of change. Mm. Anyone is capable of, you know, being the like, you know, at that, this highest echelons. Like, Jordan Peterson mm. was, like, he was an alcoholic. He wasn't big when he was growing up. He used to smoke a ton. Mm. And then, you know, like, it's because of his life experience and going through all that shit. Mm. He, and then in combination of his academic studies, that's why he's able to communicate to all the young men in need of help because he's been there.
0: I Yeah, correct. I also believe it's because of the way that society has treated men up to this point. Mm. I'm not saying, look, there's one thing I don't want to get too political because this is not the kind of podcast to do it, and we're not the kind of people to talk about it. But I've never been the idea that men and women could ever be equal. I'm sorry, we have just gone through too many different problems for too long. We're too biologically and psychologically different. So don't ever. I never believe that men and women will ever be truly 100 percent equal. I just don't believe it can happen because of the way that human human nature. Sorry, way that human evolution has. Got up to this point. Yeah. So I also believe that nowadays that also men are becoming not not most men because I do believe it's on the rise again. But have you ever heard of the the cycle of you know hard times create strong men strong men create yeah. yeah that that cycle we hear so much of these so <laughs> I've written that on my
1: uh, bathroom mirror.
0: Awesome. I believe we're coming out of a hard time, sorry a hard times or we're in a hard times right now and strong men are emerging because never there's now there's never been more. Of a need for masculinity And masculinity has never been more Criticised or defined And the yeah. idea of what it is to be a man Has never been more defined Or argued ever And I feel like Jordan Peterson He's just like the tip of the iceberg Of what, let's say Strong men, not good men Because there's a difference between a good man And being good at being a man And i was to quote Stephen Stefanario But to be good at being a man People like that Definitely turn to Um What's it called? Jordan Peterson for advice because he gives you that guidance of you know, at least a set way to run your life and all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But the the thing is, you know, is nature is kind of like simple in some aspects. Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Um, Like when I, I used to listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson and, you know, it's like everything is theor- became theoretical. Mm-hmm. And it was only when I started looking at like the people in my own life, like some of like the older generations, like, like this guy Frankie, you, you know the Cray twins, right? Oh fuck yeah! yeah so okay. this, this oh, can I just guy. tell you a story real yeah? quick? Yeah, sure. So
0: the 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 Cray twins are from where I'm from, East oh London. Friend. Yeah, East London boys. So uh, the Cray twins, they grew up in East London, and they were like, if anyone doesn't know, Google it. Go watch Legend. It's one of the best Tom Hardy movies ever. Don't at me, um, <laughs> but you know that. Um, that place where um, Ronnie Cray shot Georgie Cornell, yeah. the uh, the blind beggar, that's still around these days, and they kept the bullet in the in the bar. And what they did was they put a frame over the bullet, and people go there to visit because
1: of oh, that. Oh wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So so, yeah, that's that's actually awesome. I, <laughs> I definitely want to see that. But um, so the guy he, the guy here, is, um, Frankie is uh, at the UWA Judo club. He his father was the butcher for the Cray Twins. No. Yeah. That's fucking dope. And this guy, like, I mean, like when you get to know you realize like, man, this guy is just something else. Mm. Like that is just like, so when I think of the peak of like human evolution, like he may not know the theory and stuff like Jordan Peterson, he can't break things down, but the way he lives his life is like, it, it There's so much to be learned from just, you know, monkey see monkey do. Cause like he has this Esky. It's like a, it's probably like a, $5, $10 esky at most. I think it's probably like 30, 40 years old. And it's broken. to sh- like it, It's been broken so many times, but he's just fixed it. like with duct tape and stuff, and he carries on every single day religiously. He doesn't think much of it. It's not like that special. It's just his esky. Wow. But I was looking, and I was like, man, this, this man's attitude, you know, instead of just everyone these days, you know, if something breaks, oh, get a new one. Yeah. You know, get something better. Look, like, you know, and- but he's just like he fixes it and there's beauty in that mm-hmm. and i was looking and i was like that is a that i reckon that eski belongs in an art museum because <laughs> it's it's beautiful because and uh, like if you can so i want to apply that philosophy to my life instead of just getting something new like relationships you know if it's broken like fix it you know like okay. and that's the beauty in it it's like you could maybe you can find something better maybe you can just use, oh yeah like it's an Esky, five dollars but like the be like it accumulates and the more that you really work at something you know then it can there's a lot of um how to say just beauty in it and worth like value in in fixing things and just making it work and so that's that's kind of what i mean is i always look to like social media we like look at you know all these icons and we think oh we need you know we listen to them and we think oh we all think in theory but in reality there's lessons to be learned from like like each and every day you see some people like how they just live their life and just see this a crappy little esky and you're like wow like that one really kind of resonated with me and made me want to to really work on my own personal relationships. I actually want to add on that. So let's say I, kn-
0: I knew a guy, I don't want to name him, but he's been around the world, right? He's, you know, he was a single guy. He went traveling for about th- three years and he went and he, he, um, He went to all these different countries And he was a playboy So he was banging chicks in fucking every country And he would stay there One lover for three months And then as soon as he'd leave the next country He'd go to the next lover And he'd experience different cultures And he'd experience so much, right? But then he found it In the end it was absolutely pointless And I asked him Why the hell did you do that? I mean, because so many people Young people like us We want to travel We want to go see the world He said there's nothing wrong with seeing the world But he looked at me, and then this was the most important thing I ever heard, and this was what made me want to quit stripping as well. Uh, He said to me, Joe, absolute freedom on its own means nothing. Happiness doesn't come from just a new experience after the other. Happiness comes from sticking to one place for so long and making a growth out of it. So instead of, he said to me, so instead of just wanting to go see the world, how can you make the
1: situation which you're in better? i definitely resonate with that a lot and like actually it's funny you say the stripping i I want (laughs) i i wanted to do to do some stripping because it seemed like fun i've never done it before but yeah yeah, i was like really uh, someone offered me a a job for the other like a few months ago and i was like hell yes (laughs) but uh Mm -hmm. it didn't go through apparently because it's like um not a really busy period yeah but um and yeah, because I, I I did go through a bit of uh, like my my uh, slut days <laughs> as well. And, uh, <laughs> I was a, when I was young, I was a bit of a slut. Um, and, uh, but you need
0: to experience that though. Like it's just it's well the thing is like everyone goes for it. Like I definitely went for it myself. But if I ever look back at it, it was the most. I'm not saying it's pointless, but it's, pleasure is such a false god, man. We chase pleasure so much. And when you don't, you're going to get more pleasure out of something that in the long term is more beneficial. Like I tell people with podcasts, like say for example, this podcast, I've never made a fucking dime of this podcast. I've been doing it for over two years now. I've recorded over 130 episodes, you know, and it's, I don't care about the number of views, the number of episodes. I care about the fact that I just get to fucking do it. That is it. And I get more benefit out of doing a podcast, talking to someone such as yourself, than I do being on fucking stage in front of 300 women. And then if I was single at the time, take one of them up. And then because you're never going to be satisfied if you're always looking for something in the moment. And and that's what pisses... And that's another thing that pisses me off about Western culture is that we feel like we've always got to be happy all the time.
1: Mm, I don't think that's, that's true. That's the... Yeah, that's a lie. Like, pain and pleasure is definitely a thing. Like, one thing I believe that all men should do, or just anyone in general, like, go... Like, cut some weight. Don't drink water for a few days. Mm -hmm. And then see how sweet that first drip of water would taste. Like, I remember when I used to, like... I didn't care about food anymore. Yeah. Like, I didn't give a shit about food. Like, I could... Hearing there's a drip of water will just like drive me insane. And like so people think there's oh I need more and more and more. It's like, no, you just need less. Exactly. And when you when you don't have something, like, and then when you finally like and you you know, you have to work to it. If you have to walk freaking ten kilometers for some water, you're gonna appreciate the shit out of that water. Yeah. Your life will be happy. Yeah. Have you ever heard of um uh,
0: the book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior
1: mm, I've heard of it I haven't read it I think. Yeah,
0: I think, I think you'll really like it So there's an important quote in it How he talks about You know Life is suffering Like you know You get what you don't want You suffer You get Even when you get Even when you get what you want You do suffer Even when you have Exactly what you want You still suffer you just the power of it is you get to choose and people feel like they don't people are wrong when they feel like they don't have a choice in life no i do believe you always have a choice in life
1: yeah people like i used to be quite um i had i did have an existential crisis at one point when i was younger i was like oh nothing matters like what's the point in anything but then you know it's just the perspective it's like you know there's no nothing matters like, you know, things don't look like a game. Like, that's why I held... There's this TED Talk, the Super Mario effect, where it's like... Okay. You know, it's like, don't take things too... It's, it, it is a game. And, by the way, I do strongly believe in karma. I do believe Me in, do. like, Me good do. and bad. Because, yeah, I mean, those things are fundamental I feel, to the universe. But um, when it comes to happiness... So, what was I... Forgot what point? <laughs> I think the the hangovers getting to me. <laughs>
0: Jeez, he's um, recovering
1: from partying. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> no one's perfect, but I just. <laughs> hmm. uh, no, oh yeah, sorry, I remember now. So this year, because when I was younger, I used to believe in just not expressing emotion. I okay. just, I was always like. Poker face. I would never smile. I refuse to smile for photos, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Like, really? I, yeah, I just did not want to smile. I just never. would always have this blank face. People would say I'm just constantly looked angry, and like, and the thing is, I I never did feel emotion. I was numb all the time. Okay. Like even if I won competitions, like, there wasn't happiness. It was just like I was like, oh sweet, like relief. Okay, do, if you don't mind me
0: asking, Kai, do you consider yourself maybe a little bit to be a nihilist? Mm. how would you define nihilism? A nihilist is someone who believes that there's not really any meaning to life and doesn't really hold much to moral. Well,
1: mm, that's that's. The, that's okay, the thing. I'll, gi- I'll
0: give you the actual dictionary. Um,
1: no, no, no. We'll I, like that's okay. Um, so that's why it's it's a it's a double paradox.
0: Yeah, correct. So. Nihilism is the rejection of religious and moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless. Meaning philosophy is the belief that nothing in the world, had a, in the world has a real experience.
1: Yeah, but it's, you know, that's, it, it is a double paradox because it's mean, the meaning of life is that it's meaningless. And the thing is, it's reality. Like, I uh, quoting Marcus Aurelius, you know. Oh, okay. the, like, life is opinion and the universe is change the life is opinion life, life is, is opinion Universes change nice you know i've read meditations i've never heard that quote before that's new yeah I, I love this quote because it's so true like even your own life it's your own life is literally and the way you view yourself is just your opinion of yourself mm-hmm. you know and this is something that i struggled with like with my relationships of like um like i i didn't believe I always, I believe that there was some sort of arterial motive because, you know, it's, my partner at the time had a different opinion of me, like a much better opinion of me than I had of myself. And I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Okay. You know, because I was just like, I don't view myself anywhere close to, like, so I was like, either you, <laughs> in my head, I was like, either you're stupid or you want something from me. Okay. But now, like, looking, now that I realize like, hey, it's like, I just had a, you know, a bad opinion of myself, because I, I, I felt like a lot of shame for missing the Olympics, I was like, I'm nowhere near where I thought I needed to be, and etc, but like this year, after leaving judo, and actually finding myself outside of a sport, a game, that I was good at, and whereas I stayed in the sport because I was good at it, and that's because I was comfortable at it, and I thought, it was like, oh man, I'm so tough, I'm disciplined, like, you know, I train every day, but then I was like, no, I was actually a pussy because I didn't explore anything outside of that. I felt safe there. And leaving that, I wouldn't say, I'll, I would say I'm the happiest I've ever been, but also the most, like, emotional I've ever been as well. Like, the, but it's good because, like, I, I feel the strongest I've ever been as a result because I'm not ignoring the pain. I'm not trying to find ways to, you know, just to uh, like, I guess like suppress it, but I'm dealing with it even though it freaking sucks. And I do believe that a lot of the young guys these days, you know, they'll write, they'll quickly pull out their phone just to avoid anything uncomfortable. And, and it's, it, it does really bother me because I see it every single day. I personally believe like um because of this,
0: you know, and I believe you're right, you know, I 100% this is like a walking dopamine drip. You yeah. know what I mean? If I'm if I'm down, I can go on this and it will be corrected. If I'm lonely, I'll go on this and it's corrected. And the biggest thing that's also uh, scares me these days is it's what's actually like um robbing men and you know, making them feel unhappy and all that is actually pornography. Yeah. yeah. And and actually, and actually, I feel like that's one of the biggest threats to men as well. And now it's because of the internet and like high-speed pornography well, you know and all that I can just access anything and the, the, type in the few four letters. I feel like that's really what's robbing men a lot of their pleasure. Oh, and yeah. And pl- uh, ha- happiness because it's just constant pleasure just right there. And that's the main uh, thing.
1: Did you read my post on father Yes, didn't.
0: I did. That was actually the last thing I wanted to talk about oh. and all that because, yeah, fuck.
1: That was... um. That was actually a crazy experience. And I do believe that there's long lasting effects from like something yeah. like that.
0: It's only up until now, now that pornography addiction is becoming more surfaced. And mm. the second thing is that people are actually taking more notice to it and people are studying it. So they've actually done studies on the brain that, that the same, um, that the effect of pornography has the same effect as cocaine. On your brain. Oh, so does combat
1: can, sports as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it can physically shrink your brain as well. Yeah. Um. For the the size of the brain, the that's the thing. It's like Einstein had a small brain. Yeah. The size of the brain doesn't really matter as much as um, you know how it's wired. And also when it comes to pornography, people think, okay, if I cut pornography, that's you know, and they will be like you know, it's good. But at the end of the day, it's about being able to face your problems and pornography, social media, video games, you know, things in our life which we use to like even competitive sports. For me, that was a way to escape and not deal with the issues which were like affecting my life. It was just something that I could just divert my attention to. It may have been more positive than just jerking off at home. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it's still what it is. It was just, uh, it was just an escape. And, you know, escapes are important for everyone. You know, we, everyone needs, you know, like a man cave. Everyone needs a place where they can disconnect. However, you still have to face you know reality and the things which are slowly killing us and things like, I, and I do believe one of the, the major ones is just communication. Mm-hmm. People don't want to, commu- like, it's easy just to ignore something. Like, you have an issue with a mate, Um, like like I had issues recently like my my high school friends Um, and also some people like the judo and it's just like I try well I knew the importance of communication they don't really and you know it takes two hands to clap and that's something I've been really working on just being able to not just be open myself but to help others be open as well and just to kind of like, like resolve. But the thing is, people are scared of conflict. You need conflict to, to resolve things. Mm. Like at training camp, some of the best friends I make is like we literally just don't know them, don't talk, we just wrestle. We just literally go hammer each other. And after that, we we earn respect for each other. And then we're like, we're good friends now. We feel this connection through conflict. That's why war and... Peace are kind of the same thing. That's like Sansu. Mm. If you read like the opening of Sansu, it's not about learning how to like you know win wars. It's about understanding how to make peace through conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then Sev. What is it called? Sev Passim. What fuck? I'm gonna find it. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so the pornography thing is definitely one of the, like the one of the biggest ones. And I know guys who are too... And then they get deluded about the actual dynamics of a, a real functioning relationship. Yeah.
0: Sorry, I just had quote. Si vis Passum parabellum, meaning if you want peace, prepare for war. Yeah. That was Sun Tzu, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's... um, And the thing is, it's... it's Sorry, it's land. My no, yeah. land. yeah. It's, all, it's in all cultures. I love... Whenever I want to something really like... I was looking at. I always love looking at the Latin definitions. Um, stamina. So uh, this is one I was looking at a few days ago. The mean, the Latin meaning for stamina is like its thread. Wow. And it makes sense because the thing is, you know the quote, um, cow, uh, "Fatigue makes cowards of us all." Okay. And so stamina, like the, it's it's like the thread. It's our core because if we don't have stamina, we kind of like fall apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our our stamina literally holds us together. Like, we can't... Like, if you're tired, you can't make the right decisions. Your value system, like... Mm. You can't do the right thing if you're fucking exhausted. You know, and that's the problem with, like... Like, that's why when I look at people today and people who are, like, you know... Like, I can't... I don't know if I should swear here, but, like, you know, people who are not good people, but the thing is, at the end of the day, they're tired. Mm. Because they don't know... Like, they just keep doing the same shit over and over and over again. Even if they're like, I know so many rich people who are miserable. Mm-hmm. But they think because they're making money that they're happy. But actually, they're miserable. And that's why like they're miserable, exhausted, burnt out. They have no meaningful relationships. And that's why they act like a dick. Because they got no stamina. And because they don't know how to recharge. We need social connection. We need to feel love. We need to love in order to be happy, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, love is pretty much the same thing as um, like you know, pain. You got to be willing to go through pain. Wow, fuck, man, that's um, unfortunately,
0: man, I got to cut it there because I got to get back to work. But that's all the time we got for there, man. But uh, fuck, (laughs) that was um, I'm blown, man. That was that was way better than I anticipated. So, guys, thank you very much for listening. This is going to have a part two, one day, definitely, for sure. Uh, Guys, if you're interested in following Kai, don't be afraid to hit him up. And, of course, guys, thank you for supporting the podcast. And that is game.